the reading of the Scriptures from Genesis chapter 19, reading verses 1 to 23. Invites your uh, hearing of God's Word with reverence, uh, but also with delight. And uh, as always, may God give grace both in the reading and the hearing of His Holy Word. So, from Genesis 19. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn and Has he become the judge? Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man, Lot, and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-laws, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against his people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life be saved? 
he said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. And that's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I invite your uh, participation with me again in a time of prayer. Father, we come to you again uh, in a time of prayer. We worship you, uh, the great God of heaven, and we thank you for all of your loving kindness to us and all the benefits flowing to us from a kind and merciful God. Uh, For the sake of the Son and what he has done for us, uh, both in rendering payment for our sin, but also conveying to us his very righteousness. And thank you for your fatherly care, for the gift of daily bread, uh, some of which we had returned to you in offerings, and we ask your blessings upon that for your kingdom, the kingdom of Christ in heaven, and for the welfare of those in need. We uh, thank you for uh, the privilege of prayer and to intercede on the behalf of others. We do so for those among us who are home, uh, ill, or in the hospital, Uh, Bless all that is being done for them. May they be in good health uh, as they are uh, well in soul. We ask you to bless our homes, children, grandchildren. We pray that they would be uh, objects of your mercy and saving grace. Uh, Protect us all from the dangers of the world, the spread of disease and lawlessness and spiritual dangers. but we trust in your good hand and might to protect us. Bless us as a congregation that we might be salt and light, loving one another uh, sincerely, bearing good witness and testimony to the great things that God has done for us. Encourage the downhearted, strengthen the weak, embolden the timid, guide the perplexed, Minister to each one's needs as you know them, to do well for us in how you answer and and make provision, all for uh, the glory of God and our welfare. Make haste, O God, make haste to come to our help. And now, Father, bless your word to us, that word which is firmly fixed forever in the heavens. May it go forth in power and in the spirit to do all that you have commanded it for us this morning. And we ask this thing in the name of Christ, the eternal word, and for his glory. Amen. Thy will be done. O Lord, your prayers. Now, all of us have had to um, compromise in our uh, daily lives, uh, whether it be with uh, someone at work or maybe someone in a family. We, We always have to give and take with uh, our relationships with people, but when it comes to our spiritual lives and who we are in the faith, um, it is an entirely different matter because here, compromise uh, can be deadly to the soul. And one of the greatest illustrations of this, I think, in all of the Scriptures is uh, Lot. And as you look at... uh, 
the event before us and in the next uh, few chapters, it's really a very, very sad and tragic uh, biography of someone who is uh, deeply compromised and yet still a son of God. So we must remind ourselves uh, often and early uh, the grace of God who, uh, who saves the imperfect, to be sure. Uh, well, because he is compromised, uh, the divine visitors uh, who come into the city uh, to rescue Lot first from himself, uh, because his compromised has um, addled his spiritual senses, and then uh, from judgment, it's about to fall on the city. So first, because he's uh, compromised, Lot is uh, rescued from the men of the city, uh, verses uh, 1, 1 to 14. So the two angels, just to uh, give a recapitulation of, of a narrative, the two angels enter the city gates in the evening. Uh, perhaps uh, their appearance is a reminder to Lot that they are divine visitors, uh, divine emissaries, uh, made evident by the fact that he bows down before them uh, to show them homage and respect. Uh, it's interesting that they, they obviously come through the city gates in the ancient Near East. Uh, the city gates were a place where um, uh, governing affairs took place. Um, it's an illustration to me that Lot is compromised politically and socially given the nature of the city of Sodom. I mean, again, he's governing with men who are wretched to the core. In some manner or form, participating with them. Uh, and uh, not unlike his uncle, he offers hospitality uh, to, the, um, to the two messengers uh, in uh, feast and lodging, uh, they beg off, saying they prefer to just stay in the public square. Uh, and Lot presses hard upon them. Uh, we don't really know why, but I think we can well have suspicion that he knows that if these men go to the public square, they will be in extreme danger. Because he knows the danger that's in the city. Uh, because of the wretchedness of uh, the people that live there. And uh, his fears come true because that danger comes to his very home. Men young and old, uh, the text says from every quarter, uh, if you will, from every, every strata of, of culture um, surround the, the house, uh, evidently in very large numbers, Verse 4. It's evidence to me of uh, the intensity, the boldness, the corruption, and the putrefaction of depravity. I, I'm taken um, just in my own sense by way of application of the United States of America. The things that we've seen on the news and uh, actions. How can that be? How could a mother permit that? How could a father permit that? How could someone do that? Uh, how could how could a teacher to um, elementary 
Yeah. Well, again, it's because we've become like the city that's before us. A reminder to us of, of uh, the importance of being alert in the end times. Uh, well, the, uh, this crowd, this uh, mob, uh, demand the angels. In verse 5, uh, the Hebrew text is literally to know them. It's a euphemism. They want to violate them. Uh, if you will, Sodom was the, uh, how should I say it, um, uh, the alternative lifestyle capital of the entire world of that day. Um, so, so Lot goes out to persuade them and does something that uh, to me is bizarre. Often here, uh, you leave these two men alone, but take my daughters. Um, shows how desperate he is to protect these men, uh, but also shows that he's compromised. And there's an enduring lesson here that compromise is transformational. Lot has been changed by where he's been living. It's a reminder to us uh, that uh, we need to be very careful um, because that's the nature of compromise. Spiritual compromise. It is transformational. And things that have been happening to him that have changed him. Um, Lot has, uh, has lost his way, hadn't it? No father in his right mind would ever do such a thing. But that's the point. Lot is not in his right mind. And spiritual compromise occurs over time and in degree, and it begins to change a man or a woman. It's a danger of it. He's a changed man. Uh, I mean, th let's think about it in the sense that um, what we've been studying about Lot, he, he separates from his uncle, and he begins to move east. In the book of Genesis, that's kind of a sinister movement. Uh, moving away from God. He moves east, if you will, east of Eden. Think about it in those terms. Um, he pitches his tents towards the city of Sodom. Uh, it's uh, Moses is telling us with that framework that he really wants to go there. Uh, he moves near the city, and now where is he? He's living in it. He's joined their clubs. He's a part of uh, the ruling elite. And he's a changed father, to be sure. Uh, some time ago, I read an account of a uh, Russian Orthodox poet who was uh, jailed for her conviction. Um, and the regime uh, in Russia asked for her to apologize, to sign an apology for her uh, works of poetry that were maligning the state in some way. And she refused. So they put her in prison. Later, uh, when, after she had been released from prison, she was going on tour, 
uh, a student asked her, well, why didn't you just compromise? I mean, what, I mean, what's a little apology? You know, we, we all do things like that. And she said, no, because if I apologized for what I wrote that I truly believed, I would not have been as before. When you sign one apology, what logic can you therefore not sign another? And we know that that's what they would have asked her to do. You see, because that's the way Satan works. Uh, we sometimes think that he comes and he wants uh, uh, big big things from us. No, he, he begins always in small ways, if you will, to use a monetary denominator. He comes for nickels and dimes before he comes for everything. And Lot has been giving him nickels and dimes. So the compromise is transformational. And the men are insistent and demanding and fear has changed Lot. So he goes outside to bargain with him. You can't bargain with a mob. Uh, the angels rescue him and strike the men. The text reads blindness, but the, the Hebrew text is literally uh, with dazzling light so as to confuse them so they grope around and wear themselves out. In every case, the word is used. It's a miracle. So these truly are angels of the divine court. The angels say to Lot, who else do you have in the city? Well, he has sons-in-law because his daughters are betrothed. Now, in the ancient Near East, betrothal or an engagement was much more serious uh, than our engagement ceremonies. Um, and so the angel, well, you, you go and you tell your sons-in-law, and you warn them, uh, because the outcry of the city is great and destruction is near. So he goes to his sons-in-law and uh, tells them that they, they need to uh, come with him and get out of the city because it's going to be destroyed. Uh, his sons-in-law <laughs> think that he's joking, laugh at him. Uh, meaning that his witness to them is, has been compromised, is it not? Uh, I mean, the account is parallel to Genesis 6. The sons of God married the daughters of men. Terrible compromise. And the result is what? Eventually the result is uh, uh, the judgment of the flood. So it's a parallel here. Uh, reminding us, uh, be very careful about compromising our faith. Because it is, it is transformational. Uh, it will change you. You will not be as the poetess has told us. You will not be as before. And the compromisers will come again and again and again. The reality of the danger is uh, what's about to occur upon the city of Sodom and Gomorrah is a type of the end time judgment because of utter spiritual ruin. Well, in verses 15 to 22, the, uh, the rescue, uh, because Lot is compromised, uh, the rescue uh, is going to be from the destruction of the city. The uh, divine emissaries have saved Lot from uh, the mob, and now they're going to save him from the total destruction of the city. So they urge him, press upon him, uh, in light of uh, what is coming. They command him, get up. 
Take your wife and two daughters. Get out. Uh, hurry. Get out. Uh, notice, notice in light of chapter 18, the size of the party. Lot, his wife, and two daughters. Um, Abraham had prayed, well, Lord, if there's, there's ten righteous, will you save the city? Well, obviously, there's not even ten. Uh, we're about to learn that it's not even four. And the rest of the city is going to be swept away. Uh, chapter 7, God hoses down the world with water to cleanse it. Now he's going to torch it. He's going to torch this city and all the cities nearby uh, because they're all colluding in the wretchedness of their lifestyle. Think about it. I'm reminded to us alive today in our culture things that are occurring. Uh, the situation here is so bad, only fire will do. Uh, remarkably, now verse 16, uh, the text reads, but he hesitated. Hesitated. He delays. I, I went to... Uh, copy of J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness. He has a sermon uh, on the subject of verse 16. He hesitated. Entire sermon on that. He hesitated showing, depicting, revealing to us that the compromise has radically changed Lot, so much so that danger is, is immediate and urgent but he waits. He waits. He's got some things to do. I mean, I don't know what. He hesitates. He delays. Um, I mean, it's like today. I mean, we, we go to people and say, you know, God has proclaimed that He will bring judgment, wrath on the entire earth. Oh, are you kidding me? You really believe that? It's like the two sons-in-law. I mean, you're joking, aren't you? Surely you jest. A lot of people, it's look, I, I'm still fairly young. i got plenty of time to get religion. Religion is something you do in your old age and you, you know, live your life however you want to live it. And then when you're old and can't get around much and you have maybe a little more time to read a few chapters of the Bible over a period of, I don't know, next few years, decades of your life. So don't bother me with this. But Lot is reminding us in his hesitation to be very careful of just hanging around and drifting spiritually. If you ever have occasion, want to read about the life of a godly man in his sermons, you read J.C. Ryle. And you read his sermon on Lot that he hesitated. Uh, I, I take it in some manner or form that Lot really didn't want to go. There's an illustration that the compromise has been uh, transfer, transformational in his life. We're going to see a greater depiction of that uh, soon on his way out of the city.
Uh, but nonetheless, I think Lot has become too comfortable and therefore unable to recognize the danger. You see, that is the point of much that's occurring in our culture. We think, oh, I mean, there is no God, there's no judgment. Well, the very fact of what they're doing is a sign of judgment. That's the point of Romans chapter 1. He gave them over. They're already under judgment. It's already rotting their souls out. But they can't recognize it. So Lot hesitates. He delays. Uh, the angels, very interesting, uh, the language here, the, the angels seize their hands. You grab them. Look, it's time to go. We don't have any time. We go now. Um, to cause them uh, to go out. Causative form of the verb, to go out. It's very interesting, the, the language that, that, uh, that's used here to cause them to go out. Safety. It's uh, 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 the the object is literally caused to cause them rest. Uh, Hebrew words nuach. Um, it's a word that can also be be translated as spiritual rest, spiritual safety. For example, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter three. The Lord says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Uh, Take care, brethren, lest there be any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart and falling away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's where Lot is. Deceitfulness has changed his heart. He's just hung around it too long. The great virtue that we celebrate in our culture today of tolerating everything and anything has affected Lot. So he hesitates. And the reason uh, for the actions of the angels is that, and this is profound testimony of God's grace, I mean, look at verse 16. But he hesitated, so the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his daughters. For the compassion of the Lord was upon him. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we see ourselves. God is going to rescue Lot because he had compassion upon him. God is the saving force to secure his covenant people. I know we all have a way of reading this. And this guy's really bad. Let's all throw rocks at him. But when you really think about it, it's really a depiction of you and me. But God rescues us because he has compassion upon us because of his eternal son, Jesus Christ. Thus, God is the saving force of all of his covenant people. And the rest are reserved for punishment. In the history of the Reformation, there's really tragic illustrations of uh, men like Lot. One of my favorite is uh, uh, certainly in the French church, Henry of Navarre. Um, He was uh, raised in a 
a Protestant home and taught the Protestant faith. And in those days, that was the Calvinistic faith because that's all there was. There was the Roman Catholic Church and the uh, Reformed Church. And they held to the doctrines of sovereign grace of God. Uh, because he was in a line of royalty, uh, when uh, the, the king of France died, uh, they, they came to Henry and said, would you renounce your Protestant faith if we make you king? He said, Paris is worth a mass. What's, what's compromise worth? All of the beauty of the city of light, Paris, is it worth a mass renouncing your faith? I mean, I know Christians who go to churches and I just say to myself, no, you've got to be kidding me. How could you be going there? Maybe God will send an angel and drag them out. I, God be gracious and merciful. I'm just profoundly captured by the majestic reality that grabbed hold of me. No better than Lot. Henry of Navarre. Think about it. Paris is worth a mass. And he gave up. He's Protestant. Calvinistic upbringing for chump change. It's interesting, later assassinated by a Catholic zealot. Be very careful what you give your life to. Because like Lot, sometimes it's transformational. Let's look at the uh, uh, book of Jude. Uh, Jude is... Uh, is warning, warning his churches. Uh, and he says, uh, certain men have crept in, unawares. Um, men, uh, long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Deceivers who are going to come into the church that God has marked out to destroy. And then he, he eventually lists examples of destruction of which one is the city of Sodom. We have a way of celebrating. Oh, these people are so progressive, so wonderful that they can adopt these alternative lifestyles. I'm not so sure Jude would have that philosophical outlook. Because he knows they're in, marked out, written beforehand. It's our reminder to be very careful what we give our hearts to. Because it can change us. And even if it's slow dilution, it's still dilution. Uh, in the grace of God, Lot, of course, was a believer. Let's turn to Second Peter. Um, chapter 2. Reminder of the grace of God. Compassion of God was upon him. So 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 to 9. 
And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly thereafter. And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day with their lawless deeds. God saves imperfect men and women, thank God. Or none of us would have ever made it out of the city, the spiritual city. And notice the beauty of God's grace, verse 9. So then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Greatest rescue of all time. In this case, angels are dispatched to rescue a man. In our case, it's the same. Based on what? God knows how to rescue. He knows what we give our hearts to, doesn't he? He knows what gains our affections, and so he rescues us. Mercy of our great God. God knows how to rescue the righteous. By the way, it ought to steal you to pray all the more for those men and women you know who are caught up in the web of deception, deceit, and lifestyles, and even, even deluded theology. Ask God to rescue, because He knows how to. Compromise... Uh, in Lot's life is not total. At least he's kept himself morally. The more compelling reality for us is that uh, God rescues him. God's grace. Uh, the reason the compassion lowers upon him is another reason uh, his uncle, Abraham, the receiver of the Abrahamic covenant, greater uh, Fulfillment and the eternal covenant of redemption. He rescues us because of Christ. The greater covenantal head. And His protection extends to everyone given to Him by the Father. Grace doesn't save the perfect. And sanctification doesn't make us perfect. But still... Lot is compromised as a lesson, spiritual lesson to us. Be careful of presumption and the neglect of all of the advantages that you and I have that Lot never had. Lot didn't have a Bible to go to. So I think I'll go to my study and read Second Peter chapter 2. No, he didn't have that. He didn't have the Spirit as it's been given to us because of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. I mean, the Spirit was present, certainly uh, in form, or Lot would not have been a righteous man. But again, different in intensity. He didn't have a church. Really, in a sense, he'd kind of left it when he left his uncle. He didn't have the traditions that we have. Uh, he couldn't say, well, I think I'll go and read my Heidelberg Catechism. Question chapter 1. What is your only hope in life and in death? You and I have such incredible advantages. All the more so, we should guard our hearts from compromise because of the danger. So the angels uh, command him, escape. 
do not look back. I find it tragically humorous here that Lot argues with them. No, don't just let me escape to a smaller city. I don't want to go where you want me to go. He 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 bargains with them. They're gracious. They grant his request. In the morning comes the Zoar, meaning everything that we've been reading here and describing took place all night long. Long, to me, a long period of time. And so, look at verse 22. Hurry up, escape, where I cannot do anything unless you arrive there. And the name of the town is called Zoar. So, what do these messengers represent uh, for us? Uh, well, they are reminders of the type of the urgency that you and I should have in warning people. Uh, I have this deep, profound conviction that it's something that we need to pray about in our own lives, that we would learn how to warn people. That we would learn how to warn Christians who are compromising their faith. Maybe they shouldn't be going to thus and such place. I mean, you and I are watching whole denominations moving in incredible directions, the likes of which their founders uh, would have never, never imagined. So we, we, we do need to warn people. And we need to warn people about uh, practicing Lot's form. Uh, of witness. Um, couldn't even have a rational discussion with his sons-in-law. And, and, and we know it's going to get much worse in the verses we're about to study. Um, so, great, great reminders. Uh, I sometimes wonder if we are hesitant to warn people because we're intimidated by their response. Oh, we don't want we don't want them to laugh at. It'll be like lots of sons at all. Surely you're jesting. You really believe that ancient account? Oh, you're kidding me. The Bible? You you believe in the Bible? Yeah. So again, need to watch compromise in our own hearts, sharpen our own faith uh, because of the danger. Um, Let's turn to uh, Luke uh, chapter 17. Reminder. I'm going to read verse... Let's, look, let's begin verse 26. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same happened as in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were burying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on that day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now what's this reference to eating and drinking and buying and selling and bearing and planting? 
It's the point is there's nothing at all wrong with those things. Nothing at all wrong with getting married, marrying and giving in marriage, just carrying on life. But that's the point. You're carrying on your life as if nothing at all is about to happen and immediate total wrath is about to rain upon the city. So you ought to act a little bit differently. It's one of the profound lessons that's before us. You don't just live your life as if nothing at all is going to happen. Because when God comes in His Son Jesus Christ visibly to bring judgment, there'll be no time whatsoever. It'll be too late. Everyone who's ever said that, well, I've got plenty of time to heed the words of my beloved aunt or uncle or cousin, uh, some lesson I heard on the radio, there'll be no time. It's very interesting when you study uh, uh, the Minor Prophets and uh, Book of Daniel, as we have, and uh, even uh, even the Book of Revelation, uh, uh, the Second Coming, people will be bewildered and they will seek for answers. There won't be any answers because there's been a famine of the Word of God. Yet, hopefully, in God's grace, you and I will know because we've learned this lesson and the fear of the Lord has chased us to Christ our Redeemer. The Bible is filled with warnings uh, because accountability. Uh, God is a just God. And since no one knows the day that they will die or the time of the second coming, today, is the day to flee to Christ, uh, to find safety, spiritual rest, Nuach, Hebrews chapter 3 in Him. Because outside of Him there is no safety. Uh, he is, he is the, uh, the only place where there's safety from wrath. He's the only place where there's really safety from spiritual compromise that will rot the soul. The story is sad. Reading Lot's life is sad. Yet, we rejoice because of the grace of God and the fact that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly. He rescues Lot in a dramatic event reminding everyone in this room who knows the Savior how God was kind and gracious and compassionate to you. And so Lot escapes the wrath by God's grace. Again, I would remind you that Christ bore the wrath due us in perfect sacrifice. You know what's also so beautiful about the Gospel and the person and work of Christ? He never compromised. Throughout His entire life, the Illuminati of Israel sought to compromise Him. The forces of darkness sought to compromise Him. He never broke. Never. He never compromised. And thus we have a perfect eternal sacrifice that is accepted by God the Father is efficient to save us. If you don't know Him, you should call upon Him. Because today indeed is the day of salvation. And may God be gracious to all of us to drive us all the more closer to His Word, to a true church, to the Great Spirit, 
and make us safe. And may we hold fast the great promise of Scripture that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation.